Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor... Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome aboard the Internet Advisor. Hi, this is Foster Brown your co-host and your producer for the Internet Advisor. And today, the tax man cometh. (laughs) At least that's the subtitle we're giving the program. Tax season is upon us very soon, and Cal Carson is going to have some red-hot tips to help you get yourself ready to do your taxes. We're also going to look at uh, five things that'll be dead giveaways about phishing attacks. Welcome. It's the Internet Advisor. Another great week ahead of us here. And uh, we're looking forward to having some time. Matter of fact, in our second hour of the program, uh, some time to take your calls on the air on our flagship station in uh, Detroit. We've got some calls, uh, pardon me, some questions that have come in over the Internet as well uh, through our contact uh, system. And we're going to be talking with people about their questions on that as well. So, Mr. Kel Carson is in studio with us today, and Gary Baker is about to step in as well. <laughs> I guess it's always better if you turn the mic on first. <laughs> it works best on radio. <laughs> oh, yes. But, you know, it's really funny how you said, you know, questions over the Internet. You know, what, what a concept to come up with an idea of, you know, questions over the Internet. <laughs> but it's really great. Uh, we, let, we urge people always to go to internetadvisor.net yes. uh, and go to our show page and then go down to the bottom in our contact us area and make sure that you, you know, when you have a question, give us as much information as possible. You can't give us too much. Yep. Tell us the type of computer you have, how long you've had it, what you do with it, uh, who makes it, how much memory you have in it, everything that you can possibly tell us about it, and then tell us about the problem that you're having. And with all that information armed with it, uh, we have a really good chance of being able to give you the type of feedback that you're looking for and even possibly the answer that you're looking mm-hmm. for. And mm-hmm. then that way you walk away with a, a, a full ex- experience. Yep. Because the more information you have, the better it is. It's like going to the doctor, only it's a doctor for electronics <laughs> or a doctor for <laughs> technology. The sure, more you to the left, cough twice, and yeah, we got that's the right. The more you can tell the doc, <laughs> the better the doc has a better chance of being able to hurt you know fix you. And the same thing with technology. Yep, yep exactly. And you've been doing this for a long time, so you know whereof you speak. Now, here's a question for you, Cal. Yes, I sir. just you may have seen Elon Musk announce this week that there are two people out there who are willing to put down probably a lot of money to become the first tourists to fly around the moon. 
My question to you, sir, would you, if you had the money available, be one of those tourists? No. No? No. I want. I don't want to fly around the moon. I want to go to the moon. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go that far, <laughs> I want to land. I mean, you know, you know, why, you know, that's like going all the way to Disney World. I mean, you get to the gate and go like, there's Disney World. Okay, now you can go back home. <laughs> it, it, it's the exact same thing. I mean, if you're going to go that, that far, you might as well land. I had not thought of it in those terms. But you're, you know, you're right. When you think of everything that's at risk there, and there's a good deal at risk when you're going to the moon. They, we, we, which one of them was Apollo 13, was it? That had well, the 13 was the one that had the major problem. They had yes. the major problems, you know. you know. So it's possible to have some really catastrophic problems going around. So... To not be able to land is like yeah. adding insult to injury. <laughs> I mean, it, I never would have thought of that. I mean, it's great. <laughs> I mean, you'd still be doing something that very few people have oh, ever yeah. done, and, and 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 in that sense, yeah, it's something ma- marvelous. And you'll and the only thing that you're going to get out of that deal, uh, in my opinion, that is that you'll get this chance to see the dark side of the moon, which you don't yes, normally that's see. That's true. But if I'm going to go that far. Please let me land. Let me. You let better, me. you know, you better have a good book deal out of that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you went around it. Big deal. You know, people yeah. want to know. Yeah. You know, because see, if you land on it, then you can say, say, well, you know, I walked over to one of the, you know, Armstrong spot, and his footprints are still there. I, you know, I took a look at this. I, I, the rover fired up again. You know, and they still left the keys in it because they, you know they didn't have to take them with them. <laughs> All that stuff that could go along with it. So if I'm gonna go. I want to land. Now, on the so Gary, yeah, better better photo ops, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, now, the, the question I asked uh, uh, Kel, and then I'm going to ask you too, is if you if the money was was no object, would you sign up to be one of those two people to go around the moon on Elon Musk's SpaceX shot? If money were no object, if of money course. were no object, of course, <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> well, I just well, told, Kel was just saying. No, I told Foster. I said. If I'm going to go that far, my God, why don't I land? Why would I just want to go around it? Yeah, well, but I mean, you know. And if money's no object, hey, I guess I can be landing. <laughs> but that's not what he's offering. Not this time. Uh, not this time around. Then you can call me later when I got <laughs> You're not going the first time, yeah. I love his that. analogy, which was, is like going to yeah. Disneyland, landing right. and saying, that's Disneyland, bye. <laughs> and coming back. It is something. I'm dying to find out who the two people are. And just out of curiosity, how much is going to cost to make that kind of a trip? I don't think it's going to be as expensive as everyone thinks. If no one had never gone there before and they had none of the technology to base off of and they had to like invent all the stuff just like they did with the whole NASA Apollo space program and that sort of thing, it would probably be... Uh, uh, you know, up there in the old Gates and and, and Buffett category, but I think it's going to be available to a, a pretty good size audience. Well, I think, and eventually, that is the kind of tourism I think that will will become what do you want to call cutting edge tourism well, or adventure ad- tourism. adventure travel. Right? Yeah, adventure travel. Adventure That's travel. The, that was the term I was looking and, for. And you know what? It, it's going to be on how many people's bucket list, right? And, and oh, you, yeah. And it's a lot warmer than trying to climb Mount Everest, right? <laughs> It certainly is. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. The dark side of the moon is pretty cold. Yeah, but they keep you warm. I mean, if you went up in a trolley to, to the top of Everest, I'd do that. <laughs> good point. Good, good, good point. I'll, I'll give you that one for sure. But, you know, and then also, what sort of 
airship is that going to be? Is that going to be like a big 744, a 747? No, no. You flying know, first class, flying yeah. first class like that will be nothing even comparable to coach. <laughs> You'll be in a uh, fetal position for God knows how many hours. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Cal, you have got some tips for us because now is the time when the tax man cometh. And we're going to get some uh, tips from Cal about how to deal with that phenomenon, which will touch us all. Well, we ought to have some sort of sinister music that is playing in the background for this segment. (laughs) We're talking about tax time coming. And I titled the program, The Tax Man Cometh. For all of us, it's something that uh, in one way or other touches our lives. As uh, our government funds itself by uh, charging us the cost of admission. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, when you really think about it, I mean, and, and, and I'm probably the weirdest person on earth for saying this, uh, the quality of life that we have in this country is yeah. because we're willing to pay the price for it. I mean, right. yeah, we have, for the most part, great roads and, uh, and yep. infrastructure and all those well, things that go along with it. Well, and we're not paying the price for it. Our kids are going to. <laughs> That's true. Right? And if we tried yeah. to reduce taxes even more, that just shifts more money that the we kids are, will have to pay. the grandchildren will be paying And the grandkids <laughs> and their grandkids. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and, that's, and that's, nobody likes to pay taxes. However, it is the cost yeah. of, you know, living in the society that we're living in. Right? Nothing comes for free. Yeah, everything yeah. comes with a price. So how do we roll up our sleeves, Cal, and get ourselves ready for this season? Well, you know what's really crazy is that I, I had not been really <laughs> looking at it from a different perspective for a long time because of as Gary would say, full disclosure, on occasion I I'd provide tax services to people as well during this time of year. And so I've been looking at it for more from a tax preparer perspective. Mm. And then I started to look at it from a tax customer perspective, and it's amazing how things have changed. Uh, because there, there, there th- there's three different ways you can do taxes now electronically, and that is you can uh, either go out and buy the software and have it on your laptop right. or your desktop mm-hmm. and do it that way. Mm-hmm. You can log on to the Internet and do it through an online application Oh, if your taxes are simple enough. And even if they're relatively complex, you can do it that way. The whole trick is can you answer the questions properly? And... And then the third way is you can use your handheld device, which a lot of people call telephones. <laughs> you can do it two ways on that. Some of them have apps where if you have a simple tax return, you can do it right on your cell phone. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean calling into the IRS and doing it? No. Oh. It's an application. You you, oh. you you can do it on your cell phone. You take the camera. You can take pictures of some oh, of your documents. Wow. Or you can get those documents electronically. Transmit it to you directly into your uh, application, uh-huh. and you can go ahead and fill it out that way too. And then I guess there is a fourth way because you can actually pick up your cell phone, right. and if you have a simple return, right, just a W two, you can call a service, and they can take all the information over the phone and do your return. That well, way. you know that joke has been out for a long time. It's basically they ask, "How much did you make last year?" Send it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Pretty Very much. simple form. Yeah. Very simple return. So let's talk, talk, just kind of quickly uh, going through the uh, the software that you can buy out there. I think uh, 
into it has the corner on that. Well, the two big guys out there that there's, I've noticed. There's, there's is, two. Yes, there's actually two. <laughs> okay. uh, there, there were more before, and, and, and there, I think there's other ones, but, you know, the price, I mean, they're so far down the uh, the, the road. Uh, Intuit is the big one with TurboTax. Yep. Right. And the other one is Tax Cut. And it used oh. to be by Tobias, who uh, Tobias originally started. Uh, I think he did it. He was a big tax guy at one time. But those are the two big ones out there if you want to buy the software. Mm. And it ranges okay. anywhere from $39 yeah. as high as $140, depending on how complex the return I, you I was going to say, do. Does, the, does the price depend on the complexity? Yeah, okay. because you start off with your basic W-2-1040 returns that a lot of people right, do. Right, right. And then you have one uh, that uh, the higher price one is for folks who are uh, in business for themselves, right. but not an LLC. Gotcha. So if they're a sole proprietorship and they need to do a Schedule C type return, you can do it with the higher price one. Okay, very good. All right, then you said an online application? All of the major guys, the major players, and, and the major players, I say, are Intuit, H&R Block, Tax Cut, Tax Slayer, Jackson Hewitt. They all uh, offer you the ability to do your taxes online at their websites. Okay. In addition, this year I discovered that Credit Karma... No, the guys who give yeah, you the yeah. free credit information, they also allow you to file your income taxes free there, too. I'll be darned. I bet what they try to do, I'm going to guess in this, is their effort is to kind of control all of your financial doings. And uh, um, control maybe is too strong a word, but they want to be the broker for all of your financial sure. goods. Well, as long as they have half your information, why not? You know, exactly. start with that yeah. and fill yep. the rest out. Yep. I think I think it might be that, but I think it's more that uh, I want an audience that is doing finance. So if I can get a bunch of people that are doing something financial, yeah. either taxes or credit, now I can aim all my advertising directly toward those right. people. And when I sell that advertising, I can say, I've got a captured audience of financial people, and you need to advertise your stuff here. I don't use them, but Mint and QuickBooks, th- those are two I know are financial. Uh, well, QuickBooks is for managing finances, <clears throat> and that's uh, QuickBooks is owned by Intuit. By Intuit, okay. And the other one you said? Mint. Mint. Uh, I am not. They started out as a budgeting yeah. app um, on your mobile phone. And yeah. then have expanded into other. Okay, uh, I was wondering. Well. I was just curious if they were in this market as well. Yeah. You mentioned telephone apps. Just kind of quickly before we get to anything else. Uh, uh, Pro Series or Intuit uh, provides TurboTax for your phone, so okay. you can actually do your your filing. Uh, you can do uh, use the app on there to file your uh, your taxes that way okay. as well. Okay. okay. Usually, uh, the more simpler tax returns rather than the more complex ones. Again, obviously, yeah. because the the screen is so darn small. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Now, moving on from the tools for doing this, any particular um, records we need to be able to have, and well, any suggestions in that area? Well, see, that's a mixed bag because some employers uh, deal with uh, companies, uh, payroll companies, that allow you to pull. Your, your records directly from them. So your W-2s, you can pull them from them. Uh, a lot of the banks in, in uh, broker not brokerage houses, but uh, mortgage uh, companies. And allow brokerage you to houses, be, yeah. too. 
Yeah. Brooke, yeah, you're, you're right. Thank you so much, Gary. Uh, you know, this guy's into the scotch. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I wish. So, so they tell me that I, you know, made my three cents, you know, <laughs> yes, last exactly. year. Like, that massive dividend. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> your investment in Bosco paid off. Yeah, you know, my, that sort of thing. Six but shares. yes, <laughs> most of the financial institutions that you deal with allow you to be able to pull those records electronically. So that's one way of doing it. And if you don't have them that way, you can also get them, you'll get the paper versions. And mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, when you have to input that information, you can actually take your phone, take a picture of that paper document, oh. mm-hmm. and it scans it like OCR and puts it into the return for you. And you know what I like? I, you know, and I use TurboTax every mm-hmm. year because mm-hmm. I download it. And well, now I'm using it online because I uploaded my information online. Um, they keep track of it better than I would. Mm. And uh, when I sign up for this year, um, it'll pull all my information from last year. Hmm. Um, yes. You know, yes. If you have a carry forward loss from a business or something, that's sure. kind of nice to be able to keep track of that. But there's all sorts of other reasons to do that as well. So when I go in, um, Year after year, it says, did you contribute to these charities this year? You did last year. Did yeah. you do it this year? Yeah. Did Are you still working for the same company? Do you want us to get the W-2 from that company, right? And, and then, they know that company. Yeah, you're right? really hitting so, on something important, which is continuity. Right. That if you do, if you've made your investigations, yes, much, much easier because they do hold on to those records. Yeah, and you get that same deal with the desktop applications as well. Yes, yes. So you can do it that way if you want to f- keep it a little bit closer to the vest. Now, Gary, when you said you uploaded to them, how does that work? So last year, so I have been downloading the software and using it, right? So last but year- But like I, buying the disc and, or uh, going or, 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 or downloading it Or I it download it and yep. it puts it on yep. my computer yep. and then I use it and then I just upload the tax return itself. Um, what's the difference between uploading the tax return and uploading the information that goes in the tax return? Mm. So- I decided last year that um, I looked at the the security and what they did looked pretty good. And that's key. So then Mm -hmm. I turned around and I uploaded from last year and, well, from the year before, and then I put in last year's and it did exactly what it would if it were on my computer. And And probably more safe because they're not going to lose my computer. I will lose my computer. Well, the key to that is making sure of the security involved. Cal, we're going to touch on a few more of these things, um, uh, the information you might need when you're filing your taxes. Welcome back. Indeed, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Cal Carson in studio. We're talking about when the tax man cometh. And that is arriving very soon. Um, some of you may have been uh, brilliant about this and gotten it done well ahead of time. Others may be kind of, uh, I used to put it off. Uh, I, I have this year on other years, I've done a better job of getting it done early. This year, just lots of stuff got in the way, and I've been putting it off. But in any well, case, and they slowed it's it, inevitable. <laughs> and, they, and they slowed down the returns. Oh, did they as well? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, now you're they're probably catching back up, but they uh, decided not to provide returns until the 15th. So. Uh, okay. Um, well, we, well, we dropped the, the we, we were talking about things you need to do to get prepared for the tax season. We talked about, Cal, you mentioned um, three possibly four ways, really, of uh, filing your income tax. One is by, you know, buying the software and uh, major ones out there, TurboTax and Tax Cut. Uh, the second approach was an online application, and that could be from Intuit, uh, H&R Block, Tax Cut, Tax Slayer, uh, Jackson Hewitt, and Credit Karma, you mentioned. I've, or, Gary, you may have mentioned. No. Uh, Credit yeah. Karma. 
And then the third, the third is that there are, if you have a simple, relatively simple return, is uh, that there are telephone applications out there as well that you can use. That is correct. Uh, to get on. Now, we were talking about security when we wrap things up uh, in this last segment with you, Gary. We're talking about uh, income tax here, and we're talking about how to file and keep our income taxes secure as we file. So... For our folks who are listening right now on WJR, let's repeat a little bit about how do we make sure of securing the information? Because that's a big deal. And there are government agencies, Cal, that have, that have fallen prey to having their, uh, their files taken. So when I'm dealing with the IRS, am I any safer? And how do I, how do I keep myself safe? Well, well okay. Let, let's all just admit to one thing. Uh, every security system that we have that can be invented is invented by a man. And or a woman, a woman. Yep. and uh, <laughs> and every one of them can be cracked by a man or a woman eventually. <laughs> so let's go with that premise. So, but we want to go with the systems that are, are going to be as secure as possible for as long as possible. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be secure there. They're going to take care of it. It's their job to take care of it. It behooves them to take care of it. They have the public trust. They're holding all the money. And if they start letting people crack into the system and get refunds that they're not supposed to get, that's going to get expensive real fast. Yep. So they're going to be looking out for it. But for you as the individual, if you're going to decide to go ahead and do your own returns on your own computer, so all the information is right there on your computer as well at the as at the as well as at the IRS. Mm-hmm. I got that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what you have to do is take a couple of precautions, and, and this is what I always suggest to do. A lot of times I do a lot of my pre-work for my returns on Excel spreadsheets. Lock the spreadsheets with a password. Okay. And then put those spreadsheets in the same folder that you're going to keep your tax returns in. And then once you're all done with your tax returns, you've transmitted them, you've gotten your acknowledgments back from the IRS, you got your refund, or you sent your check off to pay it, and it's mm-hmm. all squared away for the year and you're done, go get you two of those little USB flash drives. Okay. The smallest ones they got, because you won't need one very big. And copy those folders that contain the spreadsheets that you use mm-hmm. and any other documents that you may have downloaded, and the tax I, uh, uh, actual file that you yeah. did and copy them onto those thumb drives. So you have one copy on each thumb drive and put one in a safe deposit box and put the other one in another safe place. And then on the very computer that you use, mm-hmm. erase those files. Ah, okay. That way, if you should fall prey, and we all can, to a phishing attack or something like that, mm-hmm. or a virus gets into your or machine. Or ransomware. They can't get it from you. It's not there to be gotten, period. And, you know, that's that's really the key because, you know, whether the IRS is, is absolutely secure or not, they obviously try to make it as secure as possible, and you don't have a choice. You're going to file them yeah, with them. Right. And it's not that the information because you file online is any less secure. It's that once it gets to the IRS... Can somebody take it? And whether you mail it in or file online, it's going to be in their database. Uh, okay. And that was um, that's a problem, obviously, anywhere where your information is stored, on, where there's online access to it, um, that could be a problem. But the um, but the real problem is, and people have heard, well, but you know, they were um, there were lots of cases last year and the year before and the year before that where somebody was masquerading as the uh-huh. taxpayer yep and they ended up getting you know turning changing the the um 
the address and having it sent having it sent somewhere else, whether right. it's direct deposit in some other bank or sent to them in a check form. And the real person then went, what do you mean you gave me my return? I haven't even filed my taxes yet. Well, that was because their machine, the individual user's machine, was compromised, right, Cal? That's possible. Probably. Yeah, Probably. quite possible. Yep. Somehow they got enough information so they could masquerade right. as, the per, as the taxpayer filing the tax And return. they do that often through phishing attacks, right? And they do. A lot of times, um, and phishing attack is not a hacking attack. It's a con attack. Yeah, I, yeah. in other words, right? nobody has electronically broken into your system. They, they have fooled you, in essence, to give, into giving them. It's a con. It's a con. And, and, con. and that's what phishing is. And they have spear phishing, which just means they go after individual big fish. Right? Okay. And that's uh, usually executives and companies and corporations. Now, along the lines, I mean, this is in addition to what we've been talking about with uh, uh, some, some tips on that Cal had for getting ready for the IRS and uh, different pieces of software to use. Let's talk about the five things. This is an article that came from CIO Magazine uh, to help you identify a phishing attack. And that is extremely important right. that we use that to identify it. I have that information. I printed it off here. Right. And let's, we can go through it one time. And the, the first thing they have down there is to expect the unexpected. What does that sound like to you? Well, I mean, so if you are, if you get a an email and it says, please click here, and you're not expecting it, you know, under, hey, wait a minute, some sort of, you know, spiny um, sense should go up and say, uh, why are they sending me this? Mm. I just had one yesterday. Somebody said, hey, you need to come in and check your um, security on this site because it looks like it's been compromised. Well, nobody's going to send me an email like that. So it was pretty easy, okay. but some people fall for that. And when they do, they click on the link to go to that site, and they just downloaded a virus or a keylogger or somehow um, something that will allow the bad guys to get into and access your computer. Or you're mm -hmm. just in your mail, and you're rushing through it, and you just, oh, click here. Yeah, okay. And you click it. By that time, it's too late. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was part of the expect the unexpected too. Unexpected, excuse me, is that this is you're expecting some information to come through, even if it's information like in a business situation that you're as an employee that something comes through, double, double, double check it. Well, and and you look at something and it looks like it's a friend of yours, right? Yep. So number two was name check, right? Make sure that it really is your friend. First of all, they can actually put. Um, send an email from um, an account and masquerade as that person. But a lot of times they don't even do that. Make sure that you really know the person and not something like the person. If he always goes by Andy and you get something from Andrew, be careful. Okay, right? that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah, double check on the name. You know, it's, it's, it's challenging us all to be a little bit more suspicious, even with things that we are familiar to us. Right. Because it can be all of us, wait a minute, why is Joe sending me this request? He's, that's not his department, or that's not normally the thing that he would be, be asking me for. Okay, so that was point number two, which is to check the names. How about the one that says, don't click on unrecognized links? Anytime you get an email that has a link in it, and especially if it's an email that came from somewhere that you didn't request, like, for example, if I, you want to get a password reset with, I don't know, Comcast on your email request, and you click on it, 
uh, on the box says, you know, I want to receive my password, and then they'll say they're going to send you a link to click on yeah. to fix that right. password. Well, now you're expecting it. It's from someone you know, so it's okay to use. But if you get a piece of mail and it just has, you know, uh, welcome to Baker's Keyboard Lounge and <laughs> click here for a musical interlude, and you didn't look for that and yeah. you didn't really care about right. that, you shouldn't click on it. Matter of fact, what you should do, if anything, is just take your mouse and hover over the link without clicking. Yes. And you should see a little bubble pop up. And if you look at that link, it's going to look, it's not going to look quite right. It won't say, for it, instance, it Bank not, of America, it'll say something else entirely. Right. Sometimes they're say, just numbers. Or yes, it's the yes. IP address. Or it'll say bankofamerica.can instead of com. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, know those yeah, yeah. sort of things, or it's HTTPZ instead of S. So one you of, look for those things. One of the other things is poor spelling or grammar. That's less and less, I find yeah. so nowadays. But oh, I don't know. I'm getting it more and more. Lately, are you? But that's, yeah. Okay. And the last one is: Are you threatening me? Yeah, by the FBI. I'm from the FBI, and yeah. no, they, they don't send. Especially this. when they say urgent action is yeah. required. Yeah. Well, don't, only don't urgent it. action required here is that you Delete. hang on, <laughs> <laughs> because Mike Brennan and MI Tech News is next. It's that time of the program when we bring you the headlines from MI Tech News. My Tech News, and certainly is our tech news. And the man who's the editor of that uh, piece, uh, that news outlet, is Mr. Mike Brennan. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks, Foster. Good to have you aboard with us today, sir. Yeah, beautiful day, too. You're missing it. So. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, I got a nice window here behind me, so uh, we're, we're still doing pretty well. Hey, Mike, one of the things we like to do when we have you in is to talk about some of the, just kind of pick out some of the headlines from MI Tech News to give people an idea of the kind of things that you're letting them know about. And uh, one of the first things I saw there was that the connected automated vehicle makers are must collaborate to train intelligent transportation system workforce. Now, that's uh, not just in, trying to get them, in t- train them to be intelligent, but really to skill them for that, that workforce. Yeah, that and connect them, uh, because these folks are coming out of fields not related to automobiles, typically. They're coming out of cybersecurity. They're coming out of other uh. you know, similar occupations. And so there's sort of a disconnect. And so what the folks working in this, automakers primarily, uh, need to do is, is reach out to these folks in these different disciplines uh, and uh, tell them about all the opportunities available here with connected vehicles, because that's a real high priority here in Michigan. Uh, everybody wants to make Michigan the hub for that, you know. Yes. To, and so uh, the report just says, uh, and, and you have to tell them what skills are necessary, too. Now, some of those skills that you have from other industries, I mean, they're more or less transferable, but there's some specialized stuff as well. And so that's what the report says, that uh, both sides need to take a look at this and figure out a better way to do it. Yep. And there's been guilds for, you know, centuries, right, where uh, groups of companies that do all the same thing have grouped together to try to train mm, the workforce. Good right? point. Yep. So this is not all that unusual. It's just happening right <laughs> it's now. Fascinating. And yeah, it's important true. to us. So. Oh, extremely important. As you said, Mike, to the state, because we're working... Uh, very hard, at least that seems to be the script out there, is to make this the connected auto state. Guess what? We're not the only state trying. Oh, no, we're certainly not the only <laughs> well, state. Well, we, have the, 
they have the big facility out of Willow Run that'll be coming online in about a year, and that's going to be 300 acres of testing for these vehicles. Absolutely. It'll be kind of like the the what they have at the U of M on steroids. You know, yeah, M City yeah. is only 30 acres, and the Willow One plant area is going to be more than 300. So that's really big. Yeah, <laughs> and and Pittsburgh um, bypassed all that, and they just said, yeah, bring them to downtown. <laughs> and so they're running around downtown with everybody else. Why not? Right? So I'm I'm afraid that we're doing all this testing, and unfortunately, everybody else is saying, "No, let's just go." Well, let's uh, move from this uh, subject of the cars to child's play. You have a headline yeah. out there about smart toy flaws are making hacking kids' info child's play. Yeah, Cloud Pets is the name of the company. They have these spiral toys. That allowed you, you can the child can record their voice, and of course that's all stored online, right? And so the hackers have figured out a way to get in there, and they're stealing that information and ransoming user data and things like that. I think it's a really bad idea to give your kids these toys that connect to the cloud because they're just not sophisticated enough right. to understand there's some dangers involved here. And do you want these bad guys to have this kind of information on your kids? Right, right. Very important, you know, that you're, it's not just going out into uh, the ethernet there somewhere. Somebody is, it's, it's out there, but somebody is more than happy to make, to mine that data and make use of it. And that's a key thing. I, well, listen. that's where the cybersecurity comes in. I mean, everybody wants to do something in the cloud, but if you don't have the cybersecurity yep. to back it up and protect it, it's a really bad idea. In this case, it was a bad idea. Mike Brennan is our guest here, by the way. He's the editor of MI Tech News, and we're talking about some of the headlines that he has out there. Give you an idea of what's available to you every week as you subscribe. And by the way, subscription to your MI Tech News, Mike, costs a whole lot, right? Zero, actually. Uh, yeah. our, our great sponsors pay for that, uh, and so uh, it's free to the audience to read it, listen to it, or even view it now. Yeah. All sorts of ways of being able to consume it. All you got to do is to go mitechnews.com, and you can, once you're there, have them uh, just put your email address in there, and the information will be sent back to you on a regular basis. As you said, you can get it, uh, you can read it, you can listen to it, you can watch it. One of the other headlines that was out there that I found almost humorous was that Jeff Bezos, who is the CEO of Amazon, is blaming an employee error for Amazon Web Services being down for five hours this past week. Yeah, that hit me, too. I was in the middle of, I use both SoundCloud and Miami, and both of them were on Amazon Web Services. And about noon on Tuesday, when I'm in the middle of getting all this stuff done, all of a sudden I can't gain access so I called my people, and they go, well, we're not getting in either. And then we all figured out what was going on. Oh, Amazon yeah. Web Services is a public cloud, and roughly 40% of the folks in the U.S. use it. Uh, and, you know, uh, some fat-fingered employee hit the wrong button, and everything crashed, and they had to bring it back up, and it took about five hours. You know, and, and that's wonderful. I think that they admitted that it was they made a mistake, yes, right? They could absolutely. have tried to blame it on somebody else, and they didn't. He said uh, it's, it was us. An old friend of ours, however, <laughs> had something to say. Jan uh, from Online Technologies uh, had a comment about that situation, and he said that that kind of a failure provides a reality check for public cloud networks. Well, Absolutely. For, for everybody, if it can happen to Amazon, yep. it can happen exactly. to anyone. Exactly. No matter how big you are. It can happen to anyone that has employees. I've always said 
that business would be so much easier to do if you didn't have employees or customers, <laughs> right? If you got rid of employees and customers, it'd be easy to do business. Uh, well, I think the lesson here is that always have a backup. Uh, yes. You know, you can still use Amazon Web Services, but in Jan's case, he's saying, why don't you check us out at Online Tech? And I know Gary knows a little bit about Online Tech. Yeah, we, uh, he, he so, should be uh, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but no, Jan's a good friend, and uh, he had, it's an interesting piece. He makes a good point, and I, and I totally agree. I mean, yep. you got to have backups. You just can't rely on just one of anything. Well, Mike, I, uh, I agree. you haven't got just one of anything with MI Tech News. You certainly have got three different ways of listening to it, watching it, or uh, viewing it. Uh, pardon me, well, watching it or, or hearing it. And uh, we want to thank you so much for being with us again on the weekends here. MITechnews.com is the place to go. Simply put your email address in there, and you're on your way to being a well-informed person here who is interested in technology and entrepreneurship in the state of Michigan. Mike, good to have you with us. Thanks, guys. Uh, great show. Have a great weekend. Take and care, guys, I tell you what, before we wrap things up here with our audience, uh, remind them, coming up in the next, oh, just after the top of the hour here, we're going to be opening up our phone lines at 1-800-859-0957, where you as listeners can call in and ask questions about your computers, about whatever happens to be ailing you on with your digital devices. Simply give us a call, 800-859-0957, and Cal will be there with the answer. And what number would they call? 800-859-0957. I just had to do that. You had to do that, again, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. If we have. I think we have the time left to do this. I want to quickly go back over some notes we were making before about how to tell if an email you get is a phishing attack. And uh, the first one was to expect the unexpected. So if it's something that you didn't count on being there and it seems weird and unusual, it's probably something unexpected. And so you need to look at it really with a close eye. Matter of fact, what I say to people is like when you're reading your email, open the mail. Take your hand off the mouse. Read the mail first. All right. Next yeah, one is name check. See who it's coming from. Make sure that you that really is the person it's coming from. Correct. Uh, also, uh, check. Make sure the threatening mail, if it comes in and says, you make sure you better call me. Yeah. You want to make another sure one. to deal with that. Yeah, Unrecognized call. links is another key. And poor spelling or grammar. <laughs> they don't quite have the same grasp on the unless English it, language in Nigeria as they do. Unless it comes from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that's just kind of a quick replay. We're going to be doing, probably, I'm going to be posting that on our homepage at internetadvisor.net with our show notes, and you can pick up all that information there. Right now, if you have a question for us about the Internet, about your computer, about getting on the Internet or getting around it or getting over the problems you encounter there, here's the number to call, 800 859 Zero nine five seven. That's eight hundred eight five nine zero WJR. We'll be standing by for your questions after the news. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, internetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. 
Now, let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Hi, this is Foster Brown, the co-host of the program, and thank you for being with us here on WJR, where we have an opportunity for you to ask your questions about your computers, about the different devices that you use. Maybe a phone, it may be your printer, maybe whatever is ailing you, and uh, you'd like to get some answers. Here's the number, 800-859-0957. Just give us a call that number. We have a staff of people here who are standing by, anxious to answer your question. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Internet Advisor. You heard the young lady. The phone number is 800-859-0957. And that will put you in touch with our distinguished panel of experts here. That's Mr. Cal Carson and Gary Baker. And uh, I just kind of drive the bus. I'm along here for the ride. <laughs> but I could, I made enough mistakes that I'll be able to chime in occasionally yes, with yes. an answer. <laughs> and that's how we all know what we're doing is we've had to fix our own machines most, that's many ex- times. Exactly it. So again, the number 800-859-0957. Our mantra here is the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. And uh, we're standing by for your questions. Let's go to Don in Port Huron. Don, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How can oh, we help you. you? Well, I've got a computer 101 question. Gotcha. Uh, I have two computers, a laptop and a desktop, and I bought them both, or my wife did, in 2009. And we used the laptop to go to Florida. I don't do that much anymore. But the problem is I got a message on the computer recently that says, uh, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to use this computer safely because I got a window home premium on both of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really not very computer literate. So I suspect that means that they're not going to be, won't be able to, uh, you know, keep my computer current. They both work very well. Well, this, let's just back up just a second. You got this message. Where did the message come from? Uh, it was when I go to uh, put the computer on scan. It came up, and I think it came from uh, Dell. I think it did. Well, it'd be important to find out where it came from because I don't, it doesn't make any sense yeah. that, that, that a computer would reach a certain age. Heaven help us. There are people in our audience who have been <laughs> using computers from much earlier on for that and, uh, you know, have, have limited uses for them, but they get along just fine. What operating system are you using? Uh, uh, Vista Home Premium. Vista Home Premium. Yeah. Well, there are certain things about the Vista Home Premium uh, that will be either limited or you can't get support, get support for them. That that's much what I'm is true. About, I think. Yeah, that yes, much is so, true. So that's probably what this is. Um, yeah. Unless you can tell me, no, that's not. Oh, no, I think that's what it is. Okay. So okay. what's what's happening? And they did this with Windows ninety five. Um, when it it so they say we're going to stop providing support mm-hmm. on this date. That's what it says. And as you get closer and closer to the day. Okay. Now, here's the problem. Just because they don't provide support doesn't mean that you, that, that computer is going to stop functioning. Right. It doesn't mean that um, anything other than you're not going to get security updates, mm-hmm. which means over time your security is going to degrade, right? Mm-hmm. Because they keep finding things that are wrong. Well, they won't even look to find things that are wrong, but the bad guys will. And because nobody is is um, patching your computer, providing mm-hmm. patches for your computer, um, you the bad guys will 
um, some point down the road, right, they'll take and write a little program that basically goes through your neighborhood, and this is an online neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and they walk up and they wiggle the doorknob on your front door. And if it's open, they'll come in and take over your computer. So, so that that is the risk that you run now right. because of the security being down. Cal, what we're talking about is uh, apparently the message has to do with he's running Vista Home Premium. Yes, and that it's simply saying, and it may be from Dell, but it's saying that the support won't be there won't anymore. Be there any longer? No, so, that is correct. Oh, I'm sorry. Please no, finish. No, go ahead. That is correct. And, and what's worse than that? Uh, not worse than that, but if if you've been using that computer, you'll probably notice that some of the internet sites you go to, you have difficulty with your browser. Right. Uh, they don't necessarily work with it, and it's because you can only update the Vista brow uh, the uh, Internet Explorer browser for that uh, version of Vista. But so far. And it just gets to a point where you either have to uh, upgrade the software, or in this particular case, I think you said you got the computer in 2009. Right. You're probably, it's time to go ahead and consider getting a new machine. And well, everybody says that, you know, but I'm 90 years old, so I've been around the horn <laughs> a few times. And, I, uh, I, I, I don't, every I'm, time I go to uh, the... Best Buy, they say, oh, you got to buy a new computer, but these work just fine. Yes. Okay. But I can't update them. Is that correct? That is right. correct, correct because yes. no one is writing any more updates for them. You know, you're on an operating system that is one, two, three versions right. back, right. and they can only do it but so long. Now, if you never connected that computer to the internet, then the uh, hazard that Gary was speaking of yeah, goes would away. not exist. You won't have that problem. But then again, you won't be able to do anything on the internet. And and at ninety years old, you still got some time left. I don't think you're going anywhere. Oh no, no, no. I'm down the other, you, don't don't go anywhere. Down the other thing to keep in mind, and we're we're going to wrap up because we're coming to a break in just a moment. Yeah. But something to keep in mind is that you can get refurbished computers very reasonably at places like a couple hundred dollars. Yes, and you will be amazed at the difference. Yes, the yes. speed and whatnot. Um, well, I don't. I'm not worried about the cost. That isn't the big okay. deal. It's, it's just I like it, and they both work really well. And, you yep. know, it's like yep. a car you know, to me. You know, as long okay. as it works, why well, just keep driving? Yeah, then in you... this particular case, what happens is this car only has so much. It, it can only run on certain kinds of gas, mm-hmm. and those stations are going out of business. So if you <laughs> You know, at some point, yeah. um, you're either going to have to go only certain places, or you're going to have um, a problem getting there and have to so do things. Is it really dangerous? I use the computer. Some well, the the danger, the danger, the danger. Just to kind of wrap both, this up, both is, to you and to other people, yep, because exactly. it could be a bot that gets installed on your computer, and then um, it's being used to attack other co- computers. So, Don, there are, you know, to wrap things up there, you can continue. Yes, you continue to use it the way it is right now. And However, for a while. There, for a while. And it's like an older car, you know, that has uh, 200,000 miles on it. Yeah, you can keep on running, but it's going to be a gamble. And you get a really cold day, and it may not start, or there may be other things that happen to the car. Uh, but uh, the next time you have a problem, it's probably the time. You don't have yep. to run out right now and do it. Yeah. But yep. the next time you have a problem, it's probably the time to, to upgrade. Don, okay. thanks so much for giving us a call uh, at, at 90. Enjoy what you uh, got. Yeah, gotta love it. <laughs> gotta love it. God bless you. All right, Jim from Detroit, Larry from Newport. We will be back with you in just a moment. And the number, once again, is 800-859-0-WJR. That's 800 859 
800-926-9957. Back to answer more of your questions in just a moment. We were teasing a little bit during the break about uh, Don, who's 90 years old from Port Huron calling. Thank heavens he's able to call. <laughs> I mean, to what? have the... To have that be your problem, <laughs> the yeah. least of your problems. Yeah, that's it's wonderful that uh, at ninety that he's uh, you know still going strong on the internet. Uh, more power to him. Yep, we Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Don, for giving us a we, call. And call back often. We'd love to talk. Yeah, let him please. be an inspiration to other people to call in. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. We're here to help. Absolutely, Jim from Detroit. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. How can we help? You know, uh, I, I've got a. Uh, HP Pavilion DB7, and I'm getting a pop-up that says window. It says drivers need to be updated. Okay, so this is so an which, HP. Say that again. An HP Pavilion DB7 laptop. And which drivers need to be updated? It it doesn't say. It's just a pop-up that says your drivers are outdated and they need to be updated. So what what are you doing just prior to that? Are you trying to print? Just, um, just no, I'm just turning it on. Well, here's the question. Okay. The message that's popping up, does it say it's from HP or no. does it say it's from someone else? No. If I hit yes to update, it takes me to a, a, a screen that says you have to purchase a plan. Yes. Yeah, so uh, don't, don't do that. All right. No. So, so right off the bat, you've been... Yeah. So d- I would not take an, and click on anything in that case. What I would do, if you see something like that, um, you know it's HP. You know what your um, what your computer has on it. I would immediately get out of that site. I'd go to HP.com. I'd go to the support. I'd put in your um, computer number and say, "Do you know? Please check it out. And if I need a, a driver, you know, help me get to the right place, and and uh, I'll drive. I'll download the driver from there." That's what I thought it was because I, I never I never purchased a plan. No, 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 no. And that's just kind of a typical scam. I, I would be a little bit concerned. Oh, wait, Cal, you have something. I, I, I would think uh, after you after you got past that screen, uh, I would go and download something like Malwarebytes. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah. And I would run that against your computer. I suspect that this is one of those things where you went to a website they had buried somewhere in the website. Uh, they're handy, you know, we'll help you get your drivers, we'll help you tune up your computer type thing, and they're trying to get that, get you to sign up for that sort of thing. You need to get that off your computer, yeah. and the best way, I think, to do it is to use something like Malwarebytes. Something to look at, Jim, is it's kind of, what, you, what you've experienced here is a symptom. It's a symptom of something else that has been embedded into your computer that you want to get at. So... Uh, what Gary was talking about is true. You know, if there are drivers that needed to be updated, <coughs> go right to the source. Ed talks about that continually. Go right to the source, HP or Dell or whatever it else may be. But beyond that, this seems to be a symptom that somebody else has gotten into your computer, as Cal was saying, and could cause you a good deal of and, other problems. And the reason they do that is because once in a while, drivers do need to be updated. Yep. So, you know, it's a logical thing yep. that might happen, and but you never click on a link just because they want to make it easy for you. Is this you go, kind of a, go on your own. Uh, Flash does that a lot. You know, Adobe kind of, Flash Player oh, yeah. will pop up oh, and yeah. say, oh, you oh, need, yeah. your player's out of date. I, I immediately get out. I go to Adobe. I go to Flash. I go to the download page. And I check and I go, oh, yeah, they got a new version. I'll download it and install it myself. From, from there yeah. directly. Guys, is this kind of a, a, an example of phishing in some ways? 
No. Well, this it's is a, trying to con you, so it's not an email fish. Yeah, okay, okay. But, I mean, they're trying to con you. Yep. Right? That's the yeah. bottom line. All right, Jim. All right, thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a call and for letting people hear that yep. kind of a situation, because I'm gives, sure that... A lot of people would have the same problem, so oh, it gives us an yeah. opportunity to say this. Uh, so thanks. Thank you, Jim. But yeah, clearly, to, to, to be clear on that, too, if they at one time, like sometimes you'll buy a new computer and they'll say, Do, would you like Dell's uh, you know, oh, maintenance yeah. manager yeah, yeah. to keep an eye on it? If you say yes, it'll then, periodically come up and say, yeah, you need drivers to do yeah. that. But it will clearly say who it is. It'll I say have, Dell. It'll say yep. HP. It'll say That's, Toshiba. Yep. Now, I've ha- I have that with HP. Because yeah. I bought a new HP printer, and you know, it's and, kind of almost to be expected. You know, banks do that. You know, they'll come out and they'll say, "Hey, you know, you need to do something with your uh, Bank of America account." Well, I don't have a Bank of America account, so that's one indication, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, All right, but, you know, so be careful when you get a message like yeah. that. Yeah, Larry from Newport, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How may we help you, sir? Hey, thanks for your time and attention. Sure. Uh, my wife's laptop. Uh, has recently acquired one of those ransomware things. Oh, dear. Is it all lost, or is there a remedy? Some ransomware can be resolved, depending on if it's one of the older versions when they first started that, and you can uh, find uh, uh, reputable companies that can resolve it. If it's one of the newer strains, you may be out of luck. Yeah, Okay. So is it backed up anywhere? Once upon a time, one of our units got it, and I was able to hit system restore and recover it that way. But yeah. this time, no no options. Yeah. Uh, how far back in the system restores did you go? Uh, wasn't too far back, only a couple pages. Okay, so you didn't have that much uh, of a system restore chances to do, huh? Yeah. Did you ever do a backup of the computer pr- you know, in the past? Oh, it's her computer, so uh, I don't usually mess with it, you know. I it got my own little toy, so she has hers. And well, it would be happy. it would be wise in the future, once you got this straightened out, to help her with the discipline of backing up on a regular basis. Because that, as Cal is saying, if there had been a system backup, at this point then you, could simply, you would lose some of the things but you could simply go back and reinstall it, you know, scrub it and reinstall it. And and the smartest way to do that backup situation, in my opinion, is to do one of the online backups that there are out there, like Crash Plan or Mosey mm-hmm. or, or Carbonite, that sort of thing. Go ahead and have that, you know, you'll pay the, you know, 15 or 20 bucks a month for it, but it runs automatically in the background. And so, therefore, you don't have to go over and do that work for her on her, on her machine as long as she fires it up once a day and has it on the internet, it'll automatically right. do the backup for right. you. And then if something should happen like this again, you can go and do a restore from that backup. But it sounds like right now the situation you're in there, it's you're going to need to do... Basically wipe the drive wipe the clean drive. Right. and restore it back to factory settings and then start all over again. Okay. Yeah, at this point, it's 10 years old. It'll probably find a future life as a planer board. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Thank know, you very much. When you go to the <laughs> store, take that 90-year-old caller to, ahead of you, and uh, you guys buy machines together. <laughs> All right, Larry, thanks for your call. Uh, <laughs> find some creative use for that yeah. old machine. Doorstop, <laughs> boat anchor. Boat anchor. Charles, no, no, don't put it in the water. No, <laughs> Charles from Toledo, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How may we help you on this beautiful afternoon? It is beautiful. Thank you for taking my call. Hang on one second. 
Uh, Charles, hang on a second. Go We're ahead. Good. I got it. Got it? Okay, um, good. Um, yeah, for your previous caller, Don, I believe his name was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have the same operating system, and it was with Internet Explorer that I was having problems with. Mm-hmm. So I just downloaded the Firefox oh, um, system, okay. and it works fine enough to do what I have to do. Okay, okay. And as far as a virus-type thing, um, I just pay a small monthly charge to my Internet provider for the Norton virus mm-hmm. protection, mm-hmm. and uh, it does what I need to do. Okay, so you're so you're saying something important, Charles. I think we need to underline for people, uh, and that is that, for instance, that Don could have avoided some of the messages, et cetera, by using another browser other than Internet Explorer, right? Correct. That's mm-hmm. what I had to do. I cannot use Internet Explorer anymore. Okay, but because I had the same thing, so then now uh, that's when I went to that, and uh, you know it works fine. Except you know it's a slow computer. There's no doubt about okay. that. To where like if I try to watch a video or something like that, it spools up. You know, yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. almost constantly. Yeah. But well, well, as far but, as paying bills and you know, okay. I don't know how much searching he does. Uh, yeah, but uh, it something. Works. To, okay, but something <laughs> to keep in mind is it does work, but he's also vulnerable. And so are you. That's that's the other part of it. And we would rather not have you vulnerable because of using a system where the security is out of date. Charles, thanks so much for giving us a call. And Bob from Fraser and Alex from Rochester will be back with you shortly after the bottom of the hour here. And our number again, 800-859-0957. I'd like to take a moment to thank the people behind the glass, as we say. Mike Stanford, thanks so much for being here as our engineer. And Logan Stanford, it's delightful to have you with us. My granddaughter steps in as our producer. She is the sweet voice that answers the phone. And it's so good to have her with us here this weekend. It's good, by the way, to be able to get in contact with you folks out there, our listeners as well, through the phone lines. And you can do that this weekend for another well, about 25 minutes. And the number is 800-859-0957. Let's go out to Rochester and to Alex. Alex, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How may we serve you? Well, thank you for a great show. I've always enjoyed listening to you. You've solved a lot of problems for many of us uh, here in the metropolitan Detroit area. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for bringing the problems in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're they're all out there. Um. I, I was coming down the stairs, and I heard my computer talking to me, and it said something about I wouldn't be able to use it unless I called this phone number. Uh-oh. And uh, on the screen, it said Zeus and a, a bunch Uh-oh. of other information. I just shut it down immediately yeah. and um, and brought it back up. I've got ESET uh, virus protection as well as the... Um, as well as the network protection and the and the security for banking and all that, I upgraded to that uh, system. But I took my machine in, and she ran through it. A girl went through it professional and said there was nothing wrong with it. And I don't understand why that would come up and why mm. would it be a problem, and how do I prevent in the future? That's the big thing. Very good question. Now, we're, I, matter of fact, we're all kind of scrambling here to look for the Zeus I think there is a Zeus. Um, There's a Zeus game. No, I think there's a virus out there. I'm. Yeah, they say it inter- it uh, actually infects your boot sector, and uh, but it's not difficult to get rid of. That's what I've been reading about it. But 
but I, I just was frustrated. I unplugged everything, disconnected it, took it into a professional, and, and there was they couldn't find anything. Other than I've got a bad hard drive and I've got a few bad sectors, but uh, that wasn't, it couldn't be, she couldn't duplicate it, she couldn't clone the drive, but that's not a huge issue. Did she try malware bytes or something like that, take that off? I probably, yeah, she's, she's been working on computers for years and years. Um, and mm. She has her own shop. So, yeah, did, but did she try with malware bytes? <laughs> Do we know I, that? I, I can't okay. tell you what she tried. She just said I couldn't find anything, and yeah. and uh, I had another hard drive. So you know, I'm, I'm basically starting over. I got Windows 10. Uh, oh, good. Pro and, okay. And we're gonna go. And we're gonna go. St- we're gonna reinstall the software one by one. So it'll be okay. Well, uh, you can reuse. Brilliant. You brilliant. can reuse that old hard drive. Uh, just wipe it clean. Yeah. Which you might want to yeah. down download. Derek's boot and nuke, and then run that against that drive. It'll wipe it uh, completely clean, and then uh, you can reload it and use it for a, a backup drive or something like that. Okay. You're oh, Derek's. Derek's. D a r i k s. I'm glad you spelled uh, that because it's a little yeah. different. Yeah. And it's called boot and nuke. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and what you're going to do... It means nuke as well. <laughs> and, and, of course. And, and it will it, it'll actually... You can create a, a, a CD or a bootable uh, thumb drive from it. You'll boot your computer... You boot the computer that has that drive in it with it after you're sure you don't need anything else from it and then just okay. run it and just tell it to do a, uh, a Depart- Department of Defense or a DOD wipe. DOD, yeah. And it'll it'll go through and wipe zeros on it thirty two times. It'll probably yeah. run for about a day and a half, but it'll be very well done. Yeah, Alex, I think your your solution, by the way, of of getting a new hard drive is probably the best way to deal with it. Although I had I have to tell you, as I uh, I put in the 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 query that I put into Google was Zeus virus detected, and it came up with um, how to remove Windows detected Zeus virus from Microsoft support. So, um, and and the other thing that's interesting about this is um, that there's something here about adware cleaner. So I'm wondering if it may be adware as well as a... Well, according to Malwarebytes, they said it's a Zeus Trojan. Oh, it's a Trojan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and, and if you run their, their package or use something like Kapersky between the two of them, you'll be able to get rid of it without any problem. Guys, can we talk about this for just a minute? Because while, while we've got you on, Alex, uh, one sure. of the things I've found is that there are some times when one solution isn't enough. No, you, sometimes you have to use yeah. what I call yeah. a cocktail. Yep. And so uh, a lot of times I'll use uh, malware bytes, uh, maybe uh, one of the commercial virus removal programs, and I'll also get something like, uh, oh, I get it from Major Geeks. What is that called? Oh, my brain just went went dead on that, but it's a it's a program I download from Major Geeks that will also uh, go out there and search for uh, root kits and all those sort of oh, things. Yeah. And between yeah. those three, that that pretty much cleans up just about anything out there. So it doesn't. Su- you, uh, go ahead. Is there an is there an encri- hardware encryption software that you would recommend? I I had encrypted on mine uh, for a while and it was it was active, but. Um, I didn't renew it because I never had any issues, but um, I'm thinking about doing that, too. Hmm. Hardware encryption or software encryption? Because there's a difference between the two. Hardware encryption well, I, the is... Hardware, yeah, the actual, the actual drive itself. I want to encrypt the entire drive. Well, you, well, you can do that with software, and most okay, people yeah. do. Yeah. Most yeah. people do. 
And you can use Microsoft's BitLocker uh, to do that. Uh, go to Microsoft.com. Uh, they have a program called BitLocker that will do that encryption for you. Will it do the whole hard drive? It yep. told me it wouldn't do the, hard, the entire C drive unless I was an administrator. I'm the only one on the computer. It'll do the entire hard drive completely to the point that when you boot up the computer, you'll have to put yeah. in the passcode for BitLocker before it will okay. continue to boot. I may do that before I actually put any other programs on, too. Yep. Well, and yes, I would do that. Okay. Um, if you want encryption, it will slow it down just slightly. Yeah. Okay. Very All right. good, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for good questions. And I guess it doesn't surprise me that even an experienced um, you know, computer tech would have a problem you know, with identifying one particular kind of the Zeus, for instance. Uh, but it, well, but it's all over the Internet. Yeah. And Malwarebytes takes care of it. Yep. Okay. All right. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. Let's go to Bob in Fraser. Bob, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How you doing, guys? Good, good. How may we help you, sir? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm trying to hook up a uh, printer with a, with a static IP. Uh because it keeps losing, it's a wireless printer, there's no network cable for it, um, but it keeps losing the IP address, and at half the time it's offline, you can't print to it. And this, and, one, and this printer doesn't have a, uh, a network jack on the back of it anywhere? No, it doesn't have a network jack. It has a USB. Okay. So what you're going to want to do is exactly what you said. You're going to want to set up a static IP address for that printer. And uh, that's a combination of using your router and the printer to set up that IP address. Okay. So you, whoever the manufacturer of your router is, uh, you'll have to, uh, I would either look in the box for the manual or go to their website and download the PDF for it. And they'll explain uh, how to go into the administrator's uh, console on that router. And then you'll go through the process. They'll walk you through on where you can go in and set up a static IP address. And then once you set that IP address up, then you're going to take that same IP address that you set up as a static IP and assign it to that printer. Then that way, regardless of whether or not the router goes up or down, when it comes back up, that IP address will always be for that printer. Okay, so the the DHCP range is, let's say, uh, 59 to 100. Correct. And I'm going to set the static IP address outside that. You, that is correct. Okay, I'm not going to use the DHCP reservation. So it will actually, well, you could... Do that. That's one way to do it. But if you set up a static IP address, um, a lot of times the um, printer, if you look at um, the help menu for that or the manual, if you remember it or retained it, it'll tell you what address that uh, it you should set your router to to reach that printer. Oh, really? Yeah. So just I, look I mean, in the I, manual. I, I, I've been I've been going into the printer. And I've been trying to manually set an IP address in a printer and then go and do a printout, and it shows nothing for for IP address. Yeah. I, I, it, it comes out blank. Did you turn off DHCP on the printer before you set the address? 
Because if you uh, don't do that, it's going to still try to pull an address on its own and not retain the one that you set. Yeah. No, I did not. I didn't know you could actually do that. Maybe that's... Depending on the printer, but many of them do that. And that's the yeah. easiest way to get it set up. All right. All right. I'm going to plug away again at this. Call, <laughs> okay. call, call us back at 15 minutes. Yeah. If it doesn't work. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back and try to plug away with you at it. Thanks so much for your call. All right, folks, we got some lines open, 800-859-0957. We look forward to helping you on the Internet Advisor. Thank you for joining us here on the Internet Advisor. I'm Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Ed Riddell. Pardon me, Cal Carson in studio with me. I can pretend I'm Ed. I just have to get more hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ed is uh, not with us this afternoon. He's out enjoying some time with his... Uh, uh, son Talon and uh, having a great afternoon with them. So we we, we certainly don't begrudge him that. And we're glad to have Cal, uh, Cal with us to answer questions here because Cal's going to be out. Uh, you're going to be on ice. Oh, yeah, I'll for be the chilling for the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, it's to the benefit of these young folks who get out there every week and, and they practice their craft and then they go to competitions and practice their craft and hopefully they go home with something clanking around their neck. Yeah, <laughs> and and you provide some additional services that uh, a lot of parents can't provide. So you continue to – your daughter was in it at one point and uh, now that she's yeah, graduated right. off to college and graduated – um, but you're still involved and still helping out the uh, amateur figure skating associations. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just like everything else, just like we were talking about during the break with your dad. It's just a matter of giving back to the sport. You know, someone else did it for when my kid was in there. I'm just giving back, though, though I think I've given more. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> that's you have another to. story. You gave it until it hurt. You know, Foster, I, I, I did want to talk about one thing. The, the gentleman that called about encryption, Oh, yes. And I think he was doing Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Encryption is very easy with Windows 10. Ah. Uh, the BitLocker comes with Windows 10. So you just uh, it's three steps. You sign on to Windows with an administrator account. You go to Start. You enter the word Encryption. And then uh, it'll come up and says Change Device Encryption Settings. And then you select Manage BitLocker. And then click Turn on BitLocker and just follow the instructions. Wow. Simple as possible. You know, it's the interesting thing about Windows 10 for all the complaints about it over the years as it was, because it was so different from what had been out before. They have done a marvelous job of including so much within Windows 10. Yeah, they, they you know, all of the... From a security point of view, certainly. They, they generally improve the product instead of degrade the product. So, you know, uh, a lot of times, once you get past the uproar that we all have with change... Yeah. And you start to really look at what you have in front of you, you find out you there's little nuggets of goodness all over the place. And this, I think, particularly with Windows 10, because this is the last Windows they're going to put out. You know, I think, and and that alone was a huge uh, uh, change for people because we've all been used to when's the next Windows coming out, fixing the problems that we have had. And now they've said, look, this is it. We'll work within Windows 10 to change things and to improve things and to, you know, give the security updates and everything else that we need. But this is essentially the last one that's coming out. Is it because they quit learning how to count, or is it getting? <laughs> well, they, I, they I, stopped learning to count skip, when they skip nine. Skip nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know one thing that I think was, you know, we went over very quickly and may have been confusing, and that is, how do you, how and why would you assign a static IP address to a printer, uh, as opposed to yes. allowing a dynamic 
assignment of IP addresses. I can, by the way, I confess to Gary and to Cal during the break, I didn't understand most of that conversation <laughs> about static versus uh, dynamic HP. But and Cal explained it really. Cal well, did a wonderful so. job of it. We just should have taped oh, that. <laughs> well, I, I can try real quickly to do it again if you want me to. Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. So. Each device gets an IP address on the internet. So the printer in your house gets an IP address, and the way they ship them is they have something called DHCP running, which says the printer just goes to the router and says, router, what address can I have? And the router says, you're going to have address number one. And go, okay, great, I'll take address number one. And then you set up your, your computer and say, the printer is at address number one. And then the power goes out in your house. And then the power comes back on again. And so now you, uh, the, the printer wakes up, and it says to the router, hey, what's my address? And the router says, hmm, I already gave one to somebody. You get number two. And your computer is still configured thinking that the printer address is number one. You go to uh, print, and it doesn't work. Aha. Uh-huh. That's, so, th- that's the bottom line. It don't work. <laughs> so to make that not happen, you do what they call a static IP address. You tell the printer, no, you can't go get an IP address from the router. Mr. Router, give the printer an address. I want you to give it number one. And it gives it number one and says, printer, you're going to be number one. You set up your computer. It's number uh, saying, go print the number one. It prints. The power goes off. The power comes back on. The printer doesn't ask for an IP address. The router uh-huh. says, you have IP address one. The printer goes, okay, I'm number one. And your computer still knows it's one, and so it prints. But you have to do something, and Gary, we pointed this out before. You have to turn off DHCP, which is dynamic host protocol Something protocol. Anyway, it the uh, the key. computing maybe uh, we'll make it up. But yeah. Dynamic host <laughs> computing it's protocol. Di- it's oh. dynamically the D means yeah. dynamic. You know, it's one of the most every it's time basically it's basically a little program that's running that goes out and says, "Please give me an IP address. Please give me an IP address." So if you turn it off on the printer, then the printer goes, like, "I don't know what to do. What should I do?" And then you say, "Printer, you get number one." It would seem then that it is to your advantage with printers in particular. Where you don't want them shifting around in your system well, you to only identify need, it with a static IP address. You only really need to do that in most cases with the wireless printers. Because those are the ones that are most finicky, always looking for an IP address, may lose one, may get one. Yeah. If you take a hard wire, a RJ45 wire, and plug it in, and if your printer has the capability, and you plug it into the back of the printer and then plug the other end into the router, it's set on that port, and it's going to stay that way. Mm. In ninety nine. Oh, oh I, okay. If you if you're close enough to the printer, you can do that. All right. right exactly. So, uh, I, when it comes to printers, all my printers in my house are all hardwired. And now that's so. Let's stop for a second and step back in there because that's important. Because when I buy a wireless printer, I think, oh, good. Then I can, uh, I can just. It doesn't matter, you know, if I identify it as a certain address. But the bottom, the, the real bottom line is, I have it sitting right next to my computer. Why in the world wouldn't I put it into my router? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, unless you want to do what a lot of people like to do nowadays, and that is, let's eliminate as many wires as we can from okay. our computer. Okay. And and yes, it does cut down on clutter because that's one less wire you have to deal with. But if that's not an issue for you, I hardwire. See, and I've had problems where I've had two. I have two printers. One is a color printer that I use. As rarely as I can, in order to save on the covered uh, uh, colored ink. ink. Yes, but and and I have a um, 
uh, a laser printer, a, a black uh, and white laser printer, which I use for the majority of my printing. Right. And the problem has been that sometimes I can't get Ginny's computer, her little laptop, to reach that one printer. Hmm. So it would behoove me, it sounds like, then to make sure that I've got it hardwired. Either hardwire it or if it has a USB port on the back of it, put a USB cable in it, take the laptop over there, plug it in, and you get it right off the money right that way. Most of the time that's kind of inconvenient in the sense that she's she's moving around the apartment with the computer and she's you know, whether she's sitting at her desk or on the couch, she can print from that. It's a workaround when you can't get the wireless to work. Mm. Okay. Plug it right in. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Plug and pray looks at it and goes, hey, there's a printer. Let's print. And so, you know, it's a workaround if you can't get the wireless to work at that particular time. And wireless printers, I imagine, would work best in situations where, let's say, you've got... um, The wire becomes a trip hazard because you're running across your living room floor. Or, for instance, (laughs) you've you've talked about it, Gary, you know, that you're out in the back porch with your laptop and the printer is in next to your workstation, wherever that may be. You know, where you've got a, a monitor. Well, you want, you want to be able to leverage a device amongst different people as well. Now, you can still print to it wirelessly if you're doing Wi-Fi over your router. Even though the printer's plugged into the router, you can still print to it uh. over Wi-Fi by using that IP address still. So okay. you don't have to be wired directly to the printer. Well, folks, I hope that you've been enjoying this. And matter of fact, if you didn't catch quite everything, but you want to be able to go back and check on this, On Sunday night, usually by Sunday night or Monday morning, I will have posted our entire podcast. That's a recording of both hours of our program. Yes, we had a first hour of the program in which we talked about tax software and uh, getting ready for the tax man since it is the season for the tax man coming. And then uh, you'll also be able to hear the questions that we took and the answers that we provided for our listeners as they called in. That's all going to be available to you on our website if you go to internetadvisor.net and look for this 1708, which is the current podcast. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.